Welcome to Houseplant Homebody. I'm your host, Holly, and I'm here to tell you all about my favorite thing, plants. Are you ready? Did you know there's even more than just this podcast? Go check out my website, houseplant-homebody.com for even more and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, or Pinterest at Houseplant Homebody LLC. And as I'm sure you already know, each podcast episode has a corresponding blog post on my website, so make sure you check that out. And do not forget to rate, review this podcast, and make sure you're commenting, liking, sharing, and subscribing so more plant people just like you can find my podcast and social media. You can even help support your favorite podcast, blog, and social media by joining me on my Become a Supporter website page to get exclusive podcast episodes, access to a supporter-only Facebook group, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. And if you really just can't get enough, I send out a bi-monthly newsletter on the first of every other month, also with exclusive content and some updates on what's happened the previous couple months. All right, let's get into it. ginger plants that is what we're going over today and this is a very highly anticipated episode for myself and I know a lot of other people who I've talked to on here because there's a lot of questions of okay it's called ginger plant but what does that actually mean and ginger meaning in the culinary world like the spices you use and stuff like that is it related to that why does it not look like it's a ginger plant when you're using it in an outdoor planter. So many questions that I have that everyone has. So we're going to go over those as best I can. As I said on social media and stories, this was an episode that I really wanted to take the time for just because I really wanted to dig into what varieties I wanted to share with you guys. If I wanted to just go high level on it, if I wanted to figure out what the culinary side was with it. So we're just going to go into it. And we're going to talk about it and we're going to figure it out together. Well, I kind of figured it out, but I have the certain varieties listed. It's not everything, obviously, but I at least wanted to line up what you're probably going to see the most common that you're going to see as a houseplant versus a landscape or if you went on vacation in Hawaii, that kind of thing. So ginger plants, Super striking foliage, especially with the houseplant varieties that you're going to find in nurseries and garden centers and stuff like that. Typically, there's a variegated version that has a really, really bright yellow and green variegated leaf that most people will find as your common houseplant. I used those for my wedding. I easily found them at a local garden center and the other ones around as well. I have three of them and I do really love them. I think they make a great impact, but I did learn some stuff in my journey in working through this episode. So let's dive into the types of ginger and you're going to have to bear with me because I am going to go through the Latin names of them and they are all a little bit complicated and they are a little different. So I just wanted to point it out that all of these actually do have common names completely related to their flower and what it looks like. The cool thing about the varieties I'm going to list is a lot of the flowers look pretty different, which is also very interesting. Granted, in your own home, because of the environment and everything, you're probably not going to have flowers, so it's not really a notable thing for you in your home but I wanted to include all these varieties that way. If you do go on vacation to a tropical area or even just like southern United States, for example, because these have a hardiness zone of 8 to 11, which is really anywhere in southern United States, Hawaii, that kind of area, then you will see these. 
um, or in South America, Mexico, you're going to see these. So, I just wanted to go over them and talk about them and kind of differentiate them. But I did want to note first that there is the actual variety where the ginger plant is used for cooking in spices, like that is cultivated specifically for that. The Latin name is Singibar officinal, I think. Like I said, bear with me on these names. That one is like the original one used for all the cooking and the spices. That is not something you're really going to find very often in a landscape as a houseplant option or anything like that. Not saying that these other plants I'm going to list can't be used in for edible things like tea, spices, that kind of thing. I couldn't find a straight answer, completely straight answer on each plant of what it can specifically be used on. So, if you have a variety that I'm about to talk about, maybe just double check online that like, okay, if I use the root of this plant, I'm not going to like, you know, have an issue, right? So that's just my disclaimer to you. I am going to talk about what I was able to find, but I would fact check me if you're actually going to start using it for this reason. Now, me as a houseplant collector, I have no intention of using any of these for <laughs> cooking or anything like that. Simply because I'm a houseplant collector, I am not a baker and I do not cook very often. <laughs> so I just like to look at these. I don't plan to use it. But if you plan to use it, just make sure you double check on your own and fact check yourself. So I did find answers though, just not all of them. The first one I'm going to talk about is commonly called shell ginger. This is the most common one you're going to find in the houseplant world. That is the one I currently have, specifically the variegata variety. The Latin name is Alpina Zerumbet, I believe. This one is beautiful with the yellow and green variegated variety if you have the variegata one. Otherwise, it's just bright green foliage, kind of um, similar to a Stromanthiae leaf shape where it's, very, it's a lot thinner usually and more stocky. Um, it's a great word, by the way. Look it up. It's definitely in the dictionary, I promise. Um, so this one is really, really pretty. And this one is probably the most common one you're going to find as a houseplant. So in nature, when it's blooming, it has clusters of white drooping flowers. It's beautiful. I did find a couple different sources saying it. parts of it are edible. Nowhere, I found multiple sources saying everything I'm going to list doesn't have anything that isn't like recommended to be not edible, like saying it's not poisonous or anything like that. But again, just double check. Specifically, I had one website saying the leaves can make a tea out of it. I also had another website say that you can use the rhizomes, you can use the stalks, you can use the flowers and all sorts of cooking. I had sources say that its flavor is similar to cardamom. If you know what that is, it's a type of spice. So a lot of the edible side of things is very similar with each of the varieties I'm going to go over. Again, just double check yourself. But that's going to be your most common houseplant. The rest of them that I'm listing are going to be fairly common in nature. The last two are going to be a little less common. So the next one is called torch ginger. This is probably going to be your next most common. This is the one that's grown all over Hawaii. When we were there, it was everywhere. This one, the Latin name is called Etlingera elatior. These have red, 
bracts forming a really dense cluster with bright white flowers popping out of them. Now, you might ask, Holly, what are bracts? You just started using that word and you're expecting us to know it. No, I'm not. But I, I think the best way to describe them is they almost look like, you know, on a pine cone, the actual, man, I don't even know what this is called. There's little spaces in between all of the little pine cone shells, I'm going to say. It sh- kind of form like kind of a shell in a way. And then there's spacing in between. The flower is going to pop up in the spacing in between. And the bracts are similar to how the pine cone shells are forming. They're probably seeds, let's be honest. I'm not quite sure how to describe that in the best way. But bracts look like little pockets kind of forming in like somewhat of an upright position on this giant flower that they have, depending on what you're looking at. Some are a lot more dense than others. So specifically, this one has a lot more of a rounder, um, flatter, dense cluster of flowers. And then, um, I'm sorry, dense cluster of bracts. And then more delicate, bright yellow flowers are poking out of the bracts when it does so-called bloom. My best advice is to look up the flowers online um, if you are considering looking it up. I don't have a visual of all of the flowers, but I do have a visual of some of them on the blog post if you want to look at some of the varieties. But that's that guy. This guy's also edible. Um, I found a source that said leaves, flowers, fruit, seeds can all be prepared and eaten. Pretty self-explanatory. Um, I didn't have any sources that said anything contrary to it, so I think they're all edible. I didn't find a flavor side of things on this one, though. So, I'm assuming it's very similar to shell ginger, but that's just me assuming, and you know what they say about assuming. Okay, the next one is red ginger. Very complicated name. And this Latin name is Alpinia preparata which is a flower ranging between red, pinks, and shades of purple, more like a maroon than a purple, in a very upright shape to it. So kind of a little bit more simpler. The bracts on this are not as dense like the other one. Um, A little bit more flowy, wispy, if that makes sense. I did find sources that say this plant is edible. Um, Same thing, leaves, flowers, fruits, seeds can be prepared and eaten. I did find it also in a different source saying a similar thing. Nothing to the contrary. Okay, the next one is honestly my favorite one, even though I know it probably, I would never have it as a houseplant simply because the reason I would have it is for the flower. But this one is commonly called beehive ginger. I also saw another common name called pinecone ginger because it has such thick layers of bracts that resemble a beehive and it almost looks like it's a candle (laughs) because it's so thick looking and it makes me want to touch it and it makes me think it's going to be like wax. It's so thick and like just so dense. The Latin name is zingiber or zingibar spectable. Yeah, that definitely didn't pronounce right, but commonly called beehive ginger. (laughs) The flowers obviously have those thick layers and they range with the reds, pink, orange, 
and yellow shades and kind of like an ombre effect on some of the different flowers. So some of the bottom might be red, might be fading into pink versus, versus orange into pink, that kind of thing. It's really pretty. And then inside the bracts, there are white flowers that poke up out of it too. I did find somewhere that this plant, specifically the flower, I'm guessing the nectar, is used in shampoo and it the leaves and the rhizomes are edible. I found that specific rule somewhere. I did not find anything contrary and I did not find anything expanded beyond leaves and rhizomes. So that might be one I would double check if you're really interested in that. Um, but overall edible, nothing to the contrary of that it's not. Okay, the next one is called moth ginger. I guess the last three I'm going to talk about are a little bit more rare. Um, but this one is Latin name Hedicium coronarium, which it has a bright white flower shaped like, you guessed it, a moth wing with a pale yellow center to it. And according to the websites, I found that the roots and the blooms are both edible. Nothing to the contrary. Nothing really added to that. But it is edible. The moth flower is very, very pretty, way more wispy than the other ones that I've gone over. The next one is called Spiral Ginger. The Latin name is Costus Barbatus, I think. This one has a bright, upright flower, I guess I should say, with red bracts, and then small yellow, bright yellow flowers are poking out from the bracts. Similar to the torch ginger I was talking about, but this actual flower structure is very upright versus the torch ginger is a little more short and dense and compact. This one's a little bit more wispy, similar to the red ginger that I talked about. And the last one I am going to talk about, which does not conclude all varieties of ginger, but this is just what I'm going to talk about because one, it's gorgeous, and two, it's kind of rare from what I'm seeing online. It's called Dancing Ladies Ginger beautiful. Latin name is very weird. It's Golba Winidi. <laughs> I was finding that this is a very rare variety of ginger, so you're definitely not going to find it for a houseplant, probably. Maybe you will somewhere, and you're not really going to see it in nature as much, but I had to put the name on there because one, the name, and two, I want you to look up the picture of it because it's gorgeous, but it has a really, really wispy pinkish purple bract to it similar to the structure of the moth ginger flower, but then it looks like there are tiny, tiny yellow flowers just poking out everywhere off their own little stem off of where the bracts are. It's gorgeous. I really want you to look it up. So those are just the varieties I'm going to go over. Keep in mind the shell ginger, the first variety I was talking about, is probably the one you're going to see as a houseplant everywhere you go. So, let's jump into sun and water requirements. All right, so for sun requirements, this is one of the key factors to keeping it alive along with water requirements. And I feel like I'm a broken record because I say that all the time, but because I wouldn't consider this plant an easy house plant, that is why it's not considered an easy house plant. So, sun requirements are bright indirect light is the best position. Some varieties can handle and do well in 
direct sunlight. So it depends on what you're doing. Now, if we're talking the variegated variety of the shell ginger that you're going to find most commonly in garden centers and houseplant shops, it can handle direct sunlight. Just remember, if you're going to have more sunlight, you probably need to increase watering, which we'll talk about in a minute. This is also a plant that actually acts like a canna lily and can be treated like caring for a canna lily, which is the thing that I learned (laughs) when doing this podcast episode. So I understood the structure of the plant. I just didn't understand that it could be stored like a canna lily as well. So this plant You can keep it indoors all year round if you want. I would highly recommend, probably if you're using the variegated variety of ginger plant, in a south window if possible or just off of a south window, but an east or west window also does well. A west window would probably be better. Um, That's just the highest potential for the fullest, thickest foliage would be in those positions. If you use this plant as outdoor interest and you just want to bring it indoors to keep it kind of overwintered, You can do a couple of things and that's how this relates to the canna lily. So you can put this plant in in as much light as you possibly can if you want it to stay really nice and try to be, have it really be healthy in the winter. Or you can dig up the rhizomes, bulbs, whatever you want to call it, and store them in a cool dry place just like you can with a canna lily. So if you do that, you don't need to put the bulbs in the bright area like you would with the actual foliage plant. But isn't that cool? I actually didn't know that. So I had been keeping it over winter just as a regular plant and it does fairly well. Um, but again, I learned some stuff from doing this podcast. Like I, ha- I might not have it in as much sun as I need to. So I actually moved them under grow lights specifically, big grow lights, let me tell you. And then the other thing I learned is I'm definitely underwatering. So moving into water requirements, you want to keep this plant moist and never completely drying out. I didn't realize they needed that much water. I'm not sure why I didn't realize that. Probably because I didn't look it up and I just assumed, but they need a lot more moisture than you think. Now, me not watering enough, mine are still growing and they're still doing okay. Not great. They're not thriving necessarily, but now that I know that, Come summertime, they will be doing a lot better. So if you underwater, you're going to see browning leaf tips, kind of stunted growth. Honestly, it's not going to grow to the full, its fullest potential. And another factor is humidity. Increased humidity is also a key factor to this plant's success. So adding that humidity can also prevent those browning leaf tips. And in nature, these are from very tropical climates. So humidity is a given in their natural environment and you really are trying to mimic their natural environment. Now, all of those requirements being said, I have been doing the opposite for the last, I don't know, it's probably been about a year with one of them. And my one is still growing. It was just off of a south window and it was doing okay. It had spider mites probably because of lack of humidity and lack of moisture. And I didn't really have it under a ton of humidity. It's still growing, obviously, spider mites, which might have been a cause of that. If I would have put it in more sun, if I would have been watering it more, it would have been doing a lot better than it currently is. But guess what? It's actually still doing okay. So these plants are actually very resilient. If you want a healthy plant, you want to give it the care it needs. So that's why I'm telling you what I've done wrong so you can learn from my mistakes. 
So that is water and sun. Basically, bright light as you can give it. Bright indirect light is great. If you can give it direct light, fine. Even better, I think. Um, Some websites did warn that if you gave it bright direct sunlight, like outdoor bright direct sunlight, you might see burning on leaves, which could be true, but plants do acclimate pretty well over time. And the new foliage that comes in will get used to that bright light. So if you're transitioning this plant from indoor to outdoor, maybe don't stick it in bright direct sunlight right away. Maybe ease that in, but eventually it will be fine in direct sunlight. It was the same deal with when we worked at the garden center too. There was this type of hydrangea, sorry, rant coming, this type of hydrangea called endless summer hydrangea, hydrangea macrophylla. And we always recommended when people bought the plant to put it in like, you could put it in a shady or part shade area, but not in full sun. Well, we grow them in full sun out in the nursery. So the owner always said that you should be putting these in full sun. We grow them in full sun. They do the best in full sun. When actually it's true because the only way you're going to get blooms on those hydrangea macrophyllas is if they have that sun exposure. If they don't have that sun exposure, they're not going to get blooms, just like a lot of houseplants. So it just depends on kind of who you talk to and the environment you have, but plants are resilient overall. So if someone's telling you that a ginger plant cannot go in direct sunlight, they're lying. No offense to them. They can, they just need to acclimate to it. And it doesn't take long to acclimate because these are in direct sunlight in tropical areas all the time. Okay, sorry, tangent over. Next thing I'm going to go into is fertilizer and propagation and other facts. All right, so fertilizer honestly doesn't change from episode to episode for me very often. For this one, I normalize, normally fertilize every two weeks when I water my plants end of February through October, and I probably only fertilize about once in winter, and I'm going to do the same thing for this plant as I normally do. You can treat this very similar to a cannily, so you can fertilize normally throughout the peak season, but if you decide that you don't, you just want it to decline in winter or you're just going to take the rhizome out, you don't need to fertilize it. If you want the plant to try to still grow to its fullest and you still want it to be fairly healthy in winter, then I would still recommend fertilizing it. You don't need to fertilize it like you would in peak season, but I would still recommend fertilizing it at least once. The other thing is I found this plant, specifically the Varigata shell ginger, on UW-Madison's horticulture extension, and they did have just a small statement about fertilizing I wanted to put out there. And I think this is a good indication of something else that could potentially change. So this, their website says, plants in containers should be fertilized at least monthly. So obviously the dis- this depends on the fertilizer you're using. So I would do it every two weeks because mine is a concentrate. If you're doing it as a granular slow release, that would be different. It could last a few months. But this is indicating that this plant could benefit from a little bit more fertilizer. So that's how I would relate it to that. Um, And again, totally dependent on what you plan on doing and what you're comfortable doing. And I would recommend if you have questions about it, ask me. I can recommend other products if you don't want to use Fox Farm as well. I'm just partial to it because that's what I've used for a bit now and I do like it, but there's a lot of other great products out there. So 
kind of up to you. But I think this plant overall could benefit from a little bit more fertilizer, especially in the winter, somewhat if you're trying to keep it looking nice. Because they are still actively growing, it's just a heck of a lot slower. All right, propagation, keep it simple on this one. Dividing is how you're going to propagate this one. Basically, if you've ever seen a hosta or an iris, or you know what they are, you divide them. And that's how you get multiples of those. It is just like the ginger plant. You just chop it in half and split it. Bam, you got two ginger plants now. That's it. (laughs) Okay, other facts. I don't have a lot of other facts because I went through a lot of what I usually go through at the top with all the variety information like flowers and, you know, stuff like that. So this is part of the, ready for it, Zingerbraceae family. God, I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but that's what's going to be. Um, and these, most of these varieties and ginger itself is native to parts of Southeast Asia, but it is hardy, like I said, at least based on the United States hardiness zones map, like the USDA ranges from zone eight to 11. That means it's mostly in the tropical or Southern parts of the United States and Hawaii, for example, because um, when we were in Hawaii, they were everywhere. In nature, totally depends on the type of plant that you're looking at, but these can range from anywhere from like 5 feet to 15 feet. Totally depends on the variety you get. So, I did not specifically call that out because some websites go based off of what you see outside, which is usually taller than what you're ever going to have in your home. And then some were like, oh, there's a mini variety that only grows 2 feet. I'm like, okay. that's going to be a little bit harder to find. But normally when you're finding these in garden centers, the the Latin name might not be called out. So you might see like shell ginger, sometimes a variety name. Mine wasn't labeled at all. I just knew it was ginger. I don't know actually how tall it's going to get because I don't know the exact cultivar of it, if that makes sense. If it doesn't, it's fine. They range from 5 to 15 feet and you can always trim it if you want. (laughs) Okay. Some of these varieties are considered invasive depending on the location you're looking at due to easily spreading seeds and the rhizomes growing like crazy. So actually very similar to how an iris grows around here. If you plant one iris in a year, you're going to have three iris. And then in two years, you're going to have 15 iris. So it just (laughs) grows very similar to that. So just to keep that in mind, depending on where you are or where you're listing this, you might want to check um, the invasive species list before you just go willy-nilly planting these. Okay, now the Instagram Q&A. So, just as a reminder, I put up a question box on Instagram stories, on Facebook stories too, but on Facebook stories, it doesn't allow you to answer. So, Instagram is where I'm most active. So, just letting you know. But, I put up the question box on Instagram for you guys to ask any questions about the upcoming podcast episode. And I expect all questions. No question is too small. No question is too big. No question is too complicated. I will figure it out and I will find an answer for you. So I challenge you that when you see those on my stories, you ask me questions. Cool? Cool. Okay. The first question is, what does the name come from? 
like I said, no question is too small. This one was very broad. I assumed it meant just like the ginger plant name. So, this is because it is from the ginger family. And I know that doesn't explain very much, but the original family, it relates to the original ginger plant that is used in it for spices and herbs and everything. I also wanted to point out that the common names that all of these have, or at least the varieties that I talked about, comes from and can be totally justified based on their flower types. So like the moth ginger, the literally the flowers look like little moths are sitting on the stem. I mean, the beehive ginger looks like a big giant colorful beehive. Like it's very, very self-explanatory with the names of it, which I think makes it very unique. And I really like it that way. <laughs> it's easy to tell them apart. I could be in Hawaii seeing three different types of ginger. I'm like, I know that's beehive. I know that's chorch ginger. I know that's red ginger. Strictly based on the flower types because the common names are so similar. The Latin names in themselves are all sorts of different. But they these all originally stem from the original ginger plant. And that is why it's called a ginger plant. And they're all, in some way, it sounds like all of them are edible. And some of them, like the shell ginger, is the only one I found the flavor of. But cardamom is the kind of spice flavor to it. So, I hope that answers that question. The next question was, how big does it get and can you use it for spice? Well, specifically, the shell ginger, which is the more commonly found one as the house plant, can grow up to about 10 feet or so. I don't, as your house plant, they're never going to get that tall because it's just not 100, it won't ever be 100% ideal climate unless you have your own greenhouse. Then kudos to you. Please tell me how you got it. But um, it's going to be probably closer to like, maybe it'll get six feet or so. Maybe it'll get eight feet. Um, but that's probably how tall they grow. And you can really trim them back however you want to. Since they're more of like stalks with leaves, basically, you can just cut right above a new leaf and then that will reduce the size of it. It will also help it get a lot fuller by doing that. Just like, you know, a leggy stem would do it. Same thing. Specifically, the question about can you use it for spice? This was the one that I did find somewhere that called the spice flavor cardamom. So, and I did find sources saying you could really use multiple parts or many parts of this plant for culinary uses. So, the I saw the stem was ground into a powder like a spice. I saw the stem was used. I've seen, I saw the leaves were used. So, I'm not sure exactly what the flavor profile would be, but I did see the word cardamom thrown around specifically with the ginger plant. I'm sorry, the shell ginger plant. <laughs> so I hope that helps. Um, but yeah, I, I would just maybe look into a little, little bit more just to like double check my research, but that is what I found. Okay, that's all I have on ginger plant. Even though they're a little bit more difficult to take care of, they are beautiful and definitely worth it. And if you don't want to have it in your house, you could have it as a beautiful outdoor planter plant. 
and then just bring it inside for the winter and put it back outside in the summer. I hope you love this plant and this podcast as much as I did making it. Thank you for listening to episode 60 of Houseplant Homebody, all about the ginger plant. Don't forget to check out the blog post that corresponds with this episode if you go to houseplant-homebody.com and go to the blog page, you'll find it there. Also, don't forget to find me at Houseplant Homebody LLC on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Make sure you're rating, reviewing, and sharing this podcast along with liking, saving, and commenting on social media. Odds are, if you like this podcast, someone else will too. I love to hear what you've learned from this episode or really anything that I'm doing and your plant experiences, so please share them with me because I love it. Also, you can help support your favorite podcast by joining me on my Become a Supporter website page to get exclusive podcast episodes, access to a supporter-only Facebook group, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. Your support means the world to me, and I'm super excited to keep bringing you plant bios and information. Also, don't forget to check back every other Tuesday for the brand new episode and blog post. From one houseplant homebody to another, see you next time. Hi, me again. I'm just here talking to you um, about ginger plants, but I want to stop on and say hello. Um, I know this episode came out just a little bit late, like a full day late almost, um, just because I was busy over the weekend, didn't get to it, got my wedding photos back, got distracted, you know, the usual. Um, So it's just a little bit late this week. But I was really excited to make this podcast episode because it just it's a much more complicated episode and it took a little bit more research because of a lot about what I didn't know of the ginger plant in general. So I hope you enjoyed it. Um, also wanted to stop in here and just say thank you to everyone for understanding the kind of hiatus I had been taking with the honeymoon and everything. I am slow to get back into um, Q&A and all of that good stuff. So I encourage you all, if you have any plant questions, please send them to me. I would love to share your question and answer on my stories. Um, I'm going to continue doing that. In fact, I actually have a question sitting in my inbox right now. I'm going to answer later so you can see it on my stories. But I want to encourage you all to keep doing that. And I am going to continue to keep working through trying to do plant of the day. Might not be every day, but I'm still going to work on that. And I am still going to do a Q&A of the day. So if you have a random question or if something pops up in your mind, you should be able to find the Q&A of the day post on my story. And if you don't, just DM me. Say, hey, didn't see the Q&A. Here's my question for today. And I'd be happy to answer it. So I'm excited for what continues. In a couple weeks, the next podcast episode will be the cast iron plant. Very excited about that. That one, I feel like it's a very underrated house plant, but you can find it in many different places. So I am very excited about it. I've had one for over a year now and I actually really like it. I got it small and I'm excited to see it keep growing. Um, so cast iron plant is next. So if you have a question about cast iron plant, know that the day after this podcast episode comes out or the day it comes out, which would probably be Wednesday the 12th. In this case is when you're going to see it. Ask your questions on the Q&A for that podcast episode. So that way I screenshot it as a reminder. I screenshot all the questions for that specific next week plant and I keep them and I put them in the Q&A in this podcast episode and the blog post. So it's in a couple different places, but cast iron plant is next. 
Um, if you have any plant questions, send them to me. I will answer them the best I can. Otherwise, I will talk to you later. Have a great week. Bye-bye.